year. Um, so you may see kids whining more for younger kids. You may see them being a little clingier, not wanting to, you know, just kind of wanting to stay close to home. You may see an uptick in behaviors that are just sort of difficult to manage, more defiance, more oppositionality. This is Mom Squad Pod, your weekly update on tips, tricks, and all things parenting with Maureen Kyle. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Mom Squad Pod podcast, where we talk all things parenting. And today, we are talking about helping our kids with adjustments, which they have been going through a lot of different ones, especially since the pandemic started. And I'm here with Dr. Tori Cordiano, a clinical psychologist and a specialist with, with adolescents and behavioral development. Tori, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And this year, especially, I think, um, you know, heading into the school year, adjustment is going to be one of the key words when it comes to our kids and helping them prepare for um, nothing's been normal over the past couple of years. So it's not like they're headed into the school year knowing the routine. What do you think of, of especially when it comes to school and adjustments, because that's, that's the milestone that we're facing most immediately is sending our kids back to school with the uncertainty of Masks or no masks? What's the routine? Have I been in school with plexiglass? Maybe the plexiglass is down. I mean, it's going to be a big adjustment year. Yes, yes. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, Maureen, that they haven't had a typical, most kids haven't had a typical back to school in a couple of years, right? If they were going back in person last year, for most kids, they might have started hybrid. They had some weird, you know, so they haven't had this sort of true back to school experience in a couple of years. And it's still not quite feeling that way, right, for some schools. And, and we still don't quite know what this is going to look like um, in some areas. But I think we go back to what we all have always known to be true about managing transition in kids. And that part of it is what we can predict and what we can help them manage we want to get out in front of. So that includes things like for the back to school transition, leaving plenty of time where you're getting the school supplies, getting everything labeled. If your child wants to be part of that process, including her, him in that process, um, and you know, making them a part of it so they have some control over like choosing their folders and their backpack. If they don't want to be part of it, that's okay too, but making sure we do all of that far in advance so we're not scrambling at the last minute and adding some stress to the transition. It also means things like reorienting themselves to school. So this can be for younger kids, it's we're going to drive past or we're going to pop in on the playground or we're going to meet a couple of friends up there. And, you know, just even if we're not in the building, I will say I know um, a lot of school administrators uh, this year have been really lovely about we're going to be here. If you want to stop on by and, and pop in the school, do it, right? So it's worth asking if it feels like something that would be helpful to your child, um, that they could have, you know, some sense of the space before they get back to it again. And something I, I know we've talked about a little bit, but really now we're, we're facing it head on. How can you tell if a child is feeling anxious mm. about heading back into the classroom? Um, you know, we, I know we talked about it um, on Channel 3 mm. months back when it was schools are going to start going back into the classroom. But now we've had sort of that normal summer. Yeah. We've had... Um, you know, a break from the school routine. We thought we were out of the woods when it came to the pandemic, and now we're headed back to school with some of the restrictions still in place and maybe another adjustment. So how can you tell if a child is facing some anxiety about any of the situations that they're headed into? 
Yeah. Well, it would be lovely if they said something like, I'm getting pretty nervous about going. Right. Right. They never do. Maybe 10% of kids will say that. Um, What you are more likely to see are changes in behavior. Um, So you may see kids whining more for younger kids. You may see them being a little clingier, not wanting to, you know, just kind of wanting to stay close to home. You may see an uptick in behaviors that are just sort of difficult to manage, more defiance, more oppositionality, um, those sorts of things. You may see um, irritability in kids. That's a a big way that kids manifest stress. Um, You may also see changes to their typical um, patterns like changes in their sleep, um, changes in their appetite. You may see more um, complaints of like stomach aches, things like this, any of any or all of those can be indicators of um, anxiety about something that's coming up. Mm-hmm. With younger kids too, um, that might be heading to school for the first time, I think of toddlers, people, kids who started out as toddlers, you know, in March of 2020, those are key development years. And if this is the first time they're headed to school, what do parents need to do to prepare them for this big adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's helpful to remember that for young, the younger the kid, the more concrete they're thinking and the less they can sort of visualize exactly what it's going to look like, especially if they haven't been there before. So anything that gets them comfortable with what it's going to look like. So again, popping into the school, meeting the teacher, looking at pictures of it together, talking through what the routine of the day will look like, who will drop you off, what will happen next, who will pick you up. Um, for younger kids, the what will happen at the end of the day is important that we come back, we, we pick you up or you take the bus home and then, you know, that's the end of the day. Um, and then to see what questions they have. Um, and my, my youngest who will be in pre-K in the fall at the same school, her teacher whom I love made a, a comment about, oh, we get you next year, as in like, she'll be the teacher. And my daughter later turned to me and she said, she doesn't really get me, right? I'm going to come home. And so it was that, like, oh, no. So let's walk through the school day again, right? You'll be there and then we'll come pick you up and the school day will be done. But the questions that they have and the things that they get worried about are often not what we would expect as parents. Yeah, You know, it's funny you bring that up. Even last night I was in the car and my five, almost six-year-old who's going to go into kindergarten, she said something like, well, I don't want to go to school because I'm just going to miss you so much, mommy, which of course I loved. But then I'm thinking... (laughs) you know, does she realize I'm going to be there, you know, for drop off and pick up and, I'm, and we're going to spend time together afterwards? Or do kids think, um, I mean, we assume that they realize that. Are they thinking almost, I don't want to say worst case scenario, but are they thinking like, gosh, am I going home? Like, is mom ever going to show up again? Do those, do those thoughts really go right. through their heads? I think most of them do understand that they are in fact going home, but the school day is long, right? I mean, a day is long. As adults, we forget sometimes how long a day can feel for a six-year-old. So it is helpful to validate that, oh, you might miss me and I'll miss you too, but you'll be there, you'll be doing lots of fun things, and then I'll come pick you up. And then to really kind of walk through the day. So you'll get to school, This you'll do some stuff in the morning, you'll have lunch and recess, some stuff in the afternoon, and then the day will be done and you will come home, right? To have that kind of predictable order um, and to, you know, practice that in other ways, if it's reading books about it or um, watching shows about it or doing things that kind of help show that transition of like, you'll go to school, you'll be there, grownups come back, and then it'll be done. 
Is there uh, anything that we should be doing to help that bond throughout the day, make our kids feel like they are still connected to us? Um, I'm, I'm thinking more of the younger kids still at this yeah. point. Like, do we yeah. put a picture in their book bag? Do we write a note saying, mm -hmm. I'll see you at 3.30 to, <laughs> to let them know that there is a, a, a deadline, there is a time frame where mom's coming back or dad's coming back? Or like, here we are, we're, look at our faces, we didn't go anywhere. Right, yeah. So I think different families do this differently and it kind of depends on your kiddo. And even within the same families, different kids may want different things. Um, for younger kids, I really, really love that book, The Kissing Hand, because it's just a, it's not like a tangible thing that you could lose or have to keep track of, but it's just this very sweet, like, you'll kiss my hand, I'll kiss yours, and we've got it there for the day, and you can kind of rub it on your cheek. Um, some families will do like a little bracelet or, you know, something like that, that if I'm, you know, if I'm sort of touching this, it makes me think of you and I can have that with me. Um, for some families that feels like one um, additional thing to sort of remember or keep track of or have to think about. So I don't think you have to do those things, but if you're feeling like the separation might be tricky, those are some things that you can consider to kind of ease it or smooth it out a little bit. Before I assume that younger kids have a harder time with the adjustment. You kind of mentioned this where it's going back to school, but um, in general, when, when we do have big life changes, maybe it's a move, maybe it's a family situation that changes. Is there an age group that actually has a harder time with adjusting to a new environment or a new situation within the family or a new school that we might not realize? Oh, it's such a good question. I think it is more um, the way that kids experience this at different periods of development, right? So from, you know, preschool to early elementary school, again, their, their, their thinking is incredibly concrete. They're very sort of immediate and in the moment. So they'll need a lot of clear expectation of what this will look like. Um, for older kids, it, they're more aware of it'll feel like this today, but then there's also what will this feel like in a week and what am I leaving behind and you know what things can I expect. The older you get, the more the social relationships play into it. So if you're thinking about something like a move or going to a different school where maybe friends won't be there, you'll have to tend more to that piece of it than you would if kids were quite young. Um, so transitions are hard. Transitions are hard for everybody, including adults. And I think it's good to just think about where your child is in development, what parts of it might be stickiest for her or him. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned some of the, the signs that um, there's some anxiety, but are there any signs that it's, it's truly the adjustment, they're having a hard time in this new environment, or situation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think you can expect um, the first week or so that it's going, you know, it's going to, it's an adjustment. It will be, even if it's same school as last year and as easy of an adjustment as possible, it's still a pretty big transition from summer to school year. Um, so I think keeping everything else sort of low key so that they're not expected to come home and do 8 million activities or go on a road trip that weekend, you know, to sort of plan for it to be a little bit of a buffer at home. Um, so if you're seeing things like they're more tired than usual, or they're crabbier, or they just don't want to do anything else, they just kind of want to hole up in their room a little bit. That's all normal, um, especially in that first week or so of, of making the transition. And then you can think about if this is continuing to go on, or if um, there's more stress adding on, then maybe it's something we need to pay closer attention to. Um, is there anything parents can do 
um, with, with talking it through over those, those few weeks, anything that we can say as a comfort, like what is the most comforting mm. and um, influential type of language we can use to help these kids through? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what, what parents often fall back on is how was your day, right? At the end of the day, which is what a big concern. Yeah, yeah. For a couple of reasons. The first is that the school day feels like an eternity. So when you're asking, how was your day? It's sort of like, well, take your pick, right? There were 8 million moments in this day that I could focus on. Um, and it's it's really kind of you know, the ups and downs. The other is they're spent, right? If we think about it, like they go into the day with a gas tank, even if they love school and it's a fulfilling place for them, it takes a lot of gas out of their tank to be there, to follow the rules, to manage the social situations, to do the work, to focus, to switch between classes. Like all of these things dip into their gas tank. So by the end of the day, they are running on fumes. They don't usually have it in them to answer these big open-ended questions. So I like thinking about little touch points of communication of like anything hilarious happened today or anything super you know, embarrassing happened today or anything you know, that you were surprised by to make it sort of pointed. Or you can ask it if you know some detail was going to happen, if you know they were going to have work that day. What did you do in your art class? Did you guys start a new project, right? So you might be asking, what did you do? But in a sort of specific way that's easier to manage. If, if a child's having a hard time, maybe it's with, um, you know, they, they don't like their new class or they're, you know, they're just struggling with in, in a new building or, you know, different friends. I, I know last year, like one of my, my oldest, she ended up in a classroom where she actually didn't know any of the girls. There was, you know, she was going into first grade. She wasn't in with any of the girls that she was in kindergarten with. And I tried to talk her through, well, well, when I was your age and I had this problem, when parents frame stories about them from the past does that help kids realize like okay this is normal Mm, it can and i think you know the the, this is normal part of it is is so important so if they're having a hard time with adjustment it's helpful for them before you even get to the here was my experience with it it's helpful that for them to know you're having a hard time because this is hard right this is not you're having a hard time because you're doing anything wrong or because you should be doing it differently this is hard. So you're having a hard time. And having a hard time is just something that happens to us as people. We know that you'll get through this. We are here for you during this. If there's ways that we can make this easier, we're, we're happy to, you know, in ways that we can make this easier for you. But this is a hard time and, and hard times come. And, and you know, just sort of allow that to, to be, right? That we don't have to zoom through it or figure out how to fix it or make it better right away. Um, if they're open to it, you know, you can say things like, gosh, I remember when we switched schools when I was in second grade. And I, I remember having, you know, going out to lunch and feeling like, who am I going to sit with and how hard that was. And I remember it got better, but it was hard for a while, right? So like to, to give some framework for understanding and it's helpful for them to know that they're not alone in that is the key point. And you work really closely with Laurel School in Shaker Heights. So you see students coming in all the time. And I feel like they're, no matter what the situation, this is not specific to um, school, but I feel like teachers are almost like the secondary parents. We're, you know, they're seeing what we might be seeing at home. And, and um, when they see behavioral changes and they go to parents and say, hey, we're seeing this, um, Talk to me about the relationship between what what 
um, school staff and administrators and teachers can see and what they can help flag and should parents be listening to them when they do hear about behavioral issues? Because maybe behavior, we all know behavior is different in and out of school sometimes, but maybe it's the same across the board when there's yeah. an issue. Yeah, I love that view of teachers as sort of the secondary um, care, like parent figure, right? Because right. ideally that's what it is. And, you know, if we think about all the adults that are in kids' lives, teachers are such, so important in that. And they see a different view of our kids. We don't ever get to see them for hours at a day interacting in a classroom with other students. They get to see that. So they get a different window into our kids. Um, I think feedback from teachers, even if it's hard to hear for parents, is helpful and and almost always offered in the spirit of putting the child at the center. Um, I like to think of behavior as a signal, right? It's a signal that lets us know something that's going on. So if a kiddo is having a hard time in a certain situation and that's coming out in their behavior, we can look at it and put our problem solving hats on of like, okay, what, what's going on here? How can we help make this easier to manage for my child, for the class, for the teacher? And, and most of those always work in tandem together. But I think feedback offered by teachers is offered in the spirit of helping a child to feel her best at school. And we want to take it um, in that spirit. And with, um, I want to go back to the youngsters too, because they are having the biggest transition, um, even with um, preschool, because preschools, especially a lot of them closed down during the pandemic. My youngest was 18 months at the start of the pandemic. Now she's three. I mean, that is a big leap. <laughs> if, the, if the preschool's been shut down this whole time or, or limited or, I mean, how do you coach and, and, and help kids who are just discovering their world. Any advice for those parents? Yeah, yeah. So I think we think about this in terms of practice, right? They're out of practice with being in, and maybe of them never really had this a lot of practice to begin with because they were so little. But we want to think of it in terms of more practice being in these situations. So you might start with some things if a child is going to be attending preschool and they really haven't had much social interaction. You may start with some things that allow them to kind of build up that skill a little bit. Maybe you're going to playgrounds a little bit more. If your library offers story time again, you know you're doing those sorts of things. You're sort of gradually just getting back into the game of being around other people. Um, and again, with the school piece of it, if there are opportunities for a kind of um, wade in start where you're you know going to meet the teacher and then you're meeting some of the kids and then you're there for more of the day i think that's helpful so that they get a chance to kind of build up to being there for the full school day college age kids <laughs> before we go we got to talk about college age kids because yeah. they probably put on a very strong face and they probably pretend like this is not a big adjustment to go move away um, are there signs that maybe um, your college age student is having um, a difficult time adjusting or or having a, you know a, a transitional period that you might need to help with? Yeah, right. And I think this is again the conversation you have of you may be having a hard time because this is hard, right? Because not because this is especially important in college because the narrative around college is like, it's college, it's freedom, it's friends. It's like the best time of your life. And so young adults can really look at that and think, what is wrong with me that I am feeling homesick and lonely? And the reality is that so many late adolescents and adults have that feeling of I'm lonely. I don't quite know how to make this adjust adjustment. This is so much different or so much harder than I thought it would be. Um, so I think you can do the good work of helping them feel excited, but also helping to kind of recognize 
you know, if you're feeling lonely or homesick, that's really normal. And we want you to know that you're not alone in that to making sure that you have times where you're planning to communicate with them and that you're looking for those same kind of changes in, in behavior from afar, um, but that would let you know maybe this isn't going as well as they would hope it would be. This is all such great advice. I think every parent faces this at some point. If they're not facing it now, they will face it at some point with, yeah. with their child or all children. So Dr. Tori Cordiano, thank you so much for joining us and giving us all of this advice. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a fun conversation. It's been really fun. Yeah. And thank you to all of you listening. We'll see you right back here for the next Mom Squad Pod podcast. Thanks for listening to Mom Squad Pod with Maureen Kyle from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.